Hey there, welcome to Misfits, Wanderers, and the rest of us. I'm Rich Levesque, and I'm going to be your guide for this little adventure. And we got a treat for you today, fellow Misfits. For this episode, I titled it Pure Presence. And I was honored to have a chat with Noah Shute. Some of you are going to know him as Noble. He has his own podcast, Noble Dreams. Link will be in the show notes. Check it out. Go check him out. We had a really cool conversation, and we talked about creating community in the pandemic and what that looked like. He had a really cool one going called the Quarantine Circus that had a lot of art and music and a lot of camaraderie in a time when, well, hell, now it's still solely needed, but especially when everything was going to hell back in spring of 20 and we didn't know up from down and we were looking for something, some place to come back to and that was a place for it. So we talked a lot about what that looked like and what that experience was like. And we moved on to how to handle situations in those communities when something was said that's out of line and how to handle it. You scorch the earth like a lot of people want or do you play it out and look for the opportunity that can be present that may be hard to say. We also talked about communicating in general in a lot of different ways. We talked about how hard it can be with the way society is now and how so much of our crap wouldn't be crap if we could just have conversations. And in the conversations, sometimes we get to be perfectly human and it doesn't come off as crystal clear as it sounds like in an edited podcast. Sometimes our minds struggle looking for the right words or the right things to say and sometimes it's a struggle to get it out and sometimes it's a trigger for people if they hear it that way. But ultimately that's really their problem and not so much person giving the message. Do you allow that to hold back your message? Even if you don't realize it, you may have something really powerful that one other person needs to hear and it could change their lives entirely and it's possible that you may never know it while sometimes it feels safer to keep quiet to keep that voice locked up is it worth it at the end of the day we go in those places and there's a little bit more that we share as well so i invite you to kick back or do your thing however listening to a podcast looks like for you and be part of the conversation and something i wanted to start with because this is where i first remember connecting with you is right around the beginning beginning of COVID and when things just really started shutting down and going crazy, um, you built a nice little oasis on Facebook where people could kind of go and kind of get away from it, you know, maybe listen to some music that people were playing or share some of their art or some of the skill. And it's, you know, just having like that, those safe communities. And it's something that I'm very passionate about it's something that i try to build and it's one of the things i try to create even with things like this podcast um you know just letting people know that there's you know places to go where they can just you know they don't have to wear the mask 
or, you know, or, you know, wear the cloak or whatever, and they can just not have to worry about how, you know, performing or showing up in a certain way or getting tied up in a certain belief. They can just put everything aside and just be authentic. And I was just, you know, inspired to reconnect to that. I was inspired. I was watching some Hay House videos yesterday. I had them for free. And yesterday was the last day. So I'm like, oh, I got to watch these. And there was one, one of them was talking about how Louise Hay was asked, this is back in the eight, mid 80s in the, when, the, when the AIDS pandemics really started getting going. And people didn't, you know, there's a lot of misinformation. There was a lot of judgment. There was a lot of crap going on around it. And, you know, there were a lot of people that were you know, getting sick. They didn't, you know, didn't know what's going on. They didn't have anybody to reach out to. They were alienated and ostracized. And she was asked to create a space out she was in California at the time. And she what she didn't realize was she just like, okay, yeah, I'll open up my living room and a few people can come by. And then all of a sudden, like a week in, she had a hundred people trying to slant, you know, fit into her living room. And it got to a point where she had to rent out high school gyms and eventually auditoriums. And the whole point is like, even then as if now, there's just such a need for those spaces, whether we realize it or not on a conscious level. And it's just really important that, you know, like you were able to do and like what I try to do we acknowledge those, the need for those spaces and they can kind of go where they need to go. They, you know, they don't necessarily have to be forever. They might have a shelf life. They might grow into being something else and that's perfectly okay. But yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I'm, trying to like come up with this like great Barbara Walters question and it's just not happening. So yeah, I'll feel free to just bounce in. I'll speak to the, um, the question that I can imagine. Um, there was, so I, I have, I've been dealing with like Lyme disease complications stuff for a little over two years now. And so in August, 2019, I got uh, unexpectedly sick just one day and, and, and just never got better. Um, and I found that my experience was, uh, well, it was really, really interesting for a lot of different reasons to me at least. And, but one was that I kind of felt like a ghost, like as soon as you're not able to sort of get out and do as much, um, I, I found that that was matched with the amount of input, like people reaching out, going, going down. And I, and so I like I, I couldn't drive long distances and I didn't have the energy to do a lot of the things that I normally would have been trying to do. And because I couldn't be there, I guess um, 
you know, it's just sort of the out of sight, out of mind thing. And unfortunately it can happen with people, you know, I'm, I'm not a victim by any stretch, but, but just noticing that, like I had to really make an effort if I wanted to have any um, interaction. And, and so I, I was in this sort of, um, in this sort of quarantine mode of being much more isolated and, uh, you know, having much less social interaction and all this stuff for many months before COVID came around. And it, and it gave me a really great opportunity. I mean, that was, I'm, I'm, I could be a bit of a loner anyways, you know, I'm very comfortable on my own. It's like this hopelessly introverted, but, um, uh, but it also helped me sort of realize a lot of things about, about being in that mode and what was important and how much small interactions could make a big difference and how much, um, how much like when, th when things are, taken away that one is used to it doesn't mean like the quality of life doesn't need to diminish but it does require a recalibration of um like for me just really appreciating everything around me to a to a new degree so that like for instance if i can't go like i used to exercise a, a lot like i'd be going for a run or a bike ride or or doing chin-ups and pull-ups or whatever, um, you know, almost every day. And when that stuff kind of went out the window to, to a big degree, it's like, okay, well, that's what I thought I based a lot of my well-being on. Like, I thought that's what kept me, kept me afloat. So if that doesn't, if that's not around, what do I, what do I get to depend on now? Anyways, can go further down that road. But the, but the point more was that when March rolled around and I suddenly realized like, like I felt pretty alone. I know there's many of other many other people dealing with chronic illness and um, all kinds of things that would leave them at home, uh, but I wasn't connected to too many of them at that point. And um, so I had this sense of being um, in a you know pr pretty alone in some ways. But when I when COVID rolled around in that sort of like day in March where it, it turned from you know kind of like this scary yes. thing to then like flip a switch like. Friday morning and it was like, oh, okay, <laughs> it's real. And we're all going into lockdown. Um, I was talking with um, our, I, I don't know if you know Tiara, Tiara, um, but um, it's Tiara, not Tiara. Um, I was talk, just talking with her and, and I was like, maybe I could make some kind of group for people, blah, blah. blah. And then I was like, I find that sometimes when I get a certain idea, it's better just to run with it than to try to overthink it. And so I think it was, I got really excited about it and, and it was, but it was like late at night and I was like, just go to bed, you know, but, and then the next thing. So my idea was to bring, to make a space where, yeah. So basically people could come together in a certain sense um, and have some of that like social interaction replaced in a, in a new kind of community that might not have occurred to them. I think that um, from programs that I was involved with, I had the opportunity to see the possibility of having a pretty strong community, like within a Facebook group, which I didn't really, I didn't know that was really possible or just something I had never pursued. 
um, or been part of. And so I kind of had a better sense of that that was possible. And I wanted to center it around, you know, the thing that I find most interesting about people is what they do for creative, creative pursuits. And so I wanted, I, I wanted there to be a space where everyone could bring their creative pursuits or, or whatever it was that they needed to bring into this space. We called it the quarantine circus. Um, and my dear friend Connor is like a total savant at doing Photoshop stuff. And I, I sent him the idea and like, he sends back this poster, you know, with this old timey circus poster thing, like an hour later, or whatever. I'm like, Oh my God, it's, it's so perfect. And, um, and that's always my experience with him. If you want any graphic design work done, anyone out there, I'll connect you because he's amazing. Um, yeah. And, and I, and I, so I was thinking about like, all these, like for me, like I said, being on my own or being uh, in shutdown, whatever, A, I was used to it because of, of being sick and B, just because of who I am. I was thinking about all these other people for whom that experience would be so much more difficult, like really extroverted people, people are really used to going out and doing things all the time and stuff like that. And I think a lot of times the thing that people, one of the things that people kind of back burner is their creative pursuits. Um, like, Oh, I used to play piano or I used to draw or I used to, you know, whatever. And, and I was like, what a, what a cool opportunity to try to invite people to um, have a safe space to share whatever they're working on or whatever they're doing. Um, because I think it could be a really, a real lifeline um, during this time to, to re engage with, with, with people's own you know creative selves um and it was uh it was really cool i mean like you said it i mean it still exists and it's still there's still some people active in there and that's great but well it really ballooned um quite rapidly and i think that we did a good job of really setting the intention for the space so that there was minimal um, need to uh, sort of police people's behavior in there. There were a few stinkers you know, that came along. And you'll get um, that anywhere. Which is inevitable, yeah. And there was, I mean, I think there's 4,500 people in the group or something. So that to me was just a larger amount of people than I've ever experienced. And, um, but I think the people that were in it also really respected the space and it was and it was important enough to them that there was also a really healthy sense of self-regulation like if something was um was not up to the community standards or not contrib contributing to the sort of well-being of the whole space people would alert us to it my friend cleo and i brought her in as a co-admin which was really great um and fun and uh yeah, it was it was a it was a really cool thing, and I and I definitely um, heard back from some people that it was like a really helpful thing for them during that during that kind of the most potent um, shutdown quarantine time. So I, I I'm uh, yeah I 
I forget about it sometimes now because I just, you know, I'm not like on Facebook that much in the same way. And um, there's not as much activity. I don't need to be like the sheriff anymore or, or the ringleader or anything like that. Um, you know, it's sort of its own entity now, but uh, yeah, it was a cool thing. I'm really glad that it existed and exists. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was great that that happened. And, you know, you hit on something there when something would come up and, you know, it tends to be in the back of a lot of people's minds because when you get out into the jungle of social media, it can honestly be a cesspool out there. There's a lot of, you know, there's, you know, a lot of pain in the world. And a lot of times the most acceptable way to put that out there is to just fire venom. It's sometimes just the way people know how to process their pain. It's the only way they've learned that it was not so much acceptable, but it would get them compliance. They think they're getting heard. And in an echo, it does happen because you have other angry people in their space being like, yeah, fuck, you know, egging them on. And then you have other people that are angry in the other space wanting to fight them. And then, in, you know, there's that kind of screwed up validation in there. But so, you know, you see all that. But when you create these communities that are meant to be safe and for people to, you know, in your case, you know, drop down, really just tap into their creativity and tap into the stuff that brought them joy and you know, gave them life in a, you know, back before they felt like they had to cut it off and go into their shoulds. They're going to hold on to that space. And if somebody acts up, they're going to be like, no, not here, not in my safe space. And, you know, it becomes really easy to manage because even if you're off, you know, living life and having to deal with other things you can't quite get to it people are going to be on it yeah and they're going to hang on to that they're going to hang on to that safe home you know it fills their needs yeah i i have a um real sort of like um oppositional defiant part of me that wants to never like follow the rules but there's a much larger part of me that really really likes rules and really respects them and i and i find myself um wishing that sometimes i lived in a culture where the rules were more um respected just for the sake of um like on the road you know if people would follow the road or 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 if there was a more societal respect for keeping things clean. Like I, I've never been to Japan and I've, I've heard this also true in Vancouver. <laughs> I don't know if these things are from telling tales out of school or whatever. I, I don't have personal experience, but I've heard in those places and more in generally that the rules are really respected and the, and the, and the, um, the sort of cleanliness is a little bit more of a group effort. And I, I find myself, wishing that was the case more um, because I think if, if pretty simple rules are followed, it actually allows a lot more flexibility for 
varied expression and for freedom within them. Um, but, you know, our culture is kind of trash. So we, <laughs> anytime any rule is looked at as some, you know, threat to personal freedom or whatever, and blah, blah, blah. But I think that um, the, the times when somebody posted something that was against the community standards um, or the rules that we outlined at the beginning, um, sometimes I found myself just kind of rolling my eyes and not wanting to deal with it or whatever, whatever. But I also, I also found it a really interesting opportunity um, because I, I think that there's uh, in this right now in the way that like if something is said by someone that uh, a lot of people don't approve of the general method is uh, cancel that person mm -hmm. shame shame them make sure they're out of the conversation um, and so it doesn't leave a lot of space for someone to um, well like you said like a lot of times when people say something nasty it's because they're don't know how have another healthier way to deal with something that's going on right. with them. And I think that we all say stuff that we regret. We all say, we all react quickly sometimes to things and act with more, you know, anger or, or lack of um, uh, compassion or, you know, you don't, don't use our best tools, whatever in the moment we all do that stuff. So I think to not hold space for people to make those mistakes is a big mistake in itself. And um, so, so when those things came up, sometimes there'd be a post that, that clearly was you know, either clearly or was in a bit of a gray area about the, um, about how it strayed from or blatantly broke the rules. And what I found was that the, um, the reactions to that post from people who I think would probably normally consider themselves open-minded or um, this or that were quite a bit nastier than the original post. And we also, uh, Cleo and I made an effort to engage with the person who had posted in the comments and, and sort of explain why it wasn't in line with whatever, whatever, and allow there to be a dialogue and keep that up for a while. Because a lot of, because I found that with engaging the person or, or engaging some of the people commenting and this and that and trying to like really utilize my best, <laughs> you know, take deep breaths and use my best like uh, NVC, like nonviolent communication or skills and yeah. stuff like that. Um, I found that because I, I knew that I had a, a different eyes on me because there was a little badge that went down every time I put a comment because it's like, you're the administrator. So people, even if they don't know who I am, are like, well, this is the person who's, and, and Cleo as well, these are the people who are, you know, quote, unquote, in charge of this group. So, um, so I felt a, better, a, a bigger responsibility to try to not be um, sort of, um, seduced into the, into the mayhem of it. And, and I found that in some instances, the conversations that happened within the comments were really valuable and 
um, you know, helps highlight the fact that like, just because something comes in that's not in line with the group doesn't mean we have to immediately banish it. It's okay for it to, to, to break the rules and also remain here for a little bit because of the process that can happen as a result. And some people were not into that. They were like, I, you know, we flagged this post. Why hasn't it been taken down? Blah, blah, blah. And, and say, well, because it's not a, just a dead end road. Like it's not just something to banish. Like there's a, a person at the other end of this. And sometimes it's worth finding out the, the reason behind the posting. You know, they might not have the way that the groups happen. Like sometimes you don't see all the rules and stuff at the beginning. Right. It's really hard to get it to show people the stuff and for, so they agree to everything so some people didn't um i think come in really understanding the whole point of the group and all this different stuff so anyways i, I found that really um valuable on a personal a personal note just to get like you know sort of put on this certain hat or pretend in a sense to be um to be someone who had eyes on them and and take note in myself of how that would affect my own behavior and 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 i think i've tried to carry that forward I'd be like okay if i don't pretend i'm anonymous all the time how does that affect how i engage online um <laughs> so um so that was really good and yeah, it was, it was, I found the whole, the whole process uh, of all the, all the things in that group, I found it really interesting and valuable um, and enjoyable for the most part. I mean, there was a couple of times where we just had to kick people out. I mean, they just weren't, they right. clearly weren't there to learn from their transgressions or they didn't really give a shit about, you know, the group itself or being part of a community. And, you know, there was a few times we just did that, but it was, it was actually not too often. And for that many people involved, it was, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. I've noticed that in my experience, I, there's a lot more value in at least attempting to, you know, tap into the why, you know, is there a why what's behind it? And unless somebody's deliberately trolling for the sake of trolling, I find in 90% of my experiences, if you ask somebody why, they'll tell you. Yeah. And when do they get into their why, then you can have these amazing conversations. And, you know, it may turn into agree to disagree and that's fine. I'm not here to try to get people to agree to everything that I believe. I mean, I think that's a terrible idea because once in a while I might be wrong. Not often, but enough. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's boring to be around just people who think all the same exact things. Exactly. Uh, for me, when I'm admitting, I love that stuff. When people can have those conversations, I'll cut off if it turns into name calling, threatening, bullying, uh, bigotry, abuse, then it's like, all right, we have to cut it. We have to cut the behavior off and we have to, you know, cast it aside. And luckily in 
my group, we don't really, we've almost never dealt with that. And occasionally somebody will bring up a, you know, a topic or a belief that can be controversial. Um, for instance, and I'm going to talk in very basic terms because I, you know, it's a private group and I'm not going to yeah. get things out in public, but somebody had, you know, was talking about their experiences in the world and how they just didn't see a whole lot of COVID and, you know, they were questioning things. There was no, you know, there was no attack in the post. There was no, it was there and it was intended to start a conversation. Awesome. I love, you know, yeah. we need to have more of that. I think if we had more conversations, you'd have so much less other crazy shit going on in the world. But what do I know? And I, you know, some people were starting to have the conversations and starting to disagree. And I just put a post in there and I just laid it out like, look, you're welcome to say your piece. So far, everybody's been good and everybody's doing it great. But yeah, feel free to agree, disagree, argue. So you think, but there's, you know, anybody that does it abusively or bullying or anything like that, there will not be another warning. And I just left it at that. And, you know, a couple of people took it the wrong way and, you know, they decided they were going to leave. Okay. Go find what you need. I wish you well. And, but the rest of the conversation, you know, a lot of it was, you know, sharing their experiences. Some people were in healthcare. Some people were actually sick. Some people, you know, and, you know, there was no attack. It was, this is what I see. And this is what, and it really turned into something that was pretty powerful because people were able to speak their truth and they were able to speak freely and they didn't have to be afraid of getting punched back. And I love that that happened. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's endless value in that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a, uh, a lot of blind spots in people uh, not realizing how shittily they treat people who don't think the same or believe the same things and that would consider themselves open-minded and that kind of thing. I was thinking about this story that a friend, a friend of mine taught, told me years ago that was, they, they went to some retreat, you know, like days long or week long retreat with some really well-known, you know, spiritual leader or whatever. And there was one guy in the group who like just pissed everybody off and was constantly like, you know, just sort of that one person in the group that you're like, man, why do they have to be here? Like, I'm trying to have this, you know, experience that I expect to be a certain way and I want it to be smooth and I want it to blah, blah. And just like, you know, all this time just like driving the people nuts and they're like, whatever. And so there one time during the retreat and they were all at like a parking lot somewhere and the, the leader the person who was leading the retreat like went into the store or whatever. And so all these people were finally left alone and they just turned on this guy and they just like abused him. So, I mean, verbally, you know, just, they were just so mean to him 
and shitty towards him that he left. And and when and when the leader came back, they're like, "Where's Bob?" or what, you know, whatever Stan was. And they're like, "Oh, we're so we're so happy. We finally uh, we finally got that guy to leave." Like blah blah. blah. And the and the leader goes, "What do you mean you got him to leave? I was paying him to be here." <laughs> You know, just because the whole thing of like, that's where we learn. We learn from, we learn from things that we perceive to be challenging or to be not in line with what we think or expect. And and so he purposely had this person there to push people's buttons and to make them, you know, have to self-reflect and uh, withdraw and look at some of their projections and stuff. And I don't know, I, I always think about that story. I'm dealing with like a, someone that I find difficult or something like that. I'm like, all right, maybe there's a, you know, sometimes you don't have the energy or the wherewithal or the um, patience or compassion to, to deal with every person that you can't immediately stand or whatever. But just remembering that if you did take the time and effort, usually there's some value there. Yeah. Cool. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. People, again, like if you think to ask them why, you know, they'll tell you and they'll even, I would say even like, you know, 85 to 90% of the time, you know, just asking them why and, you know, being curious instead of judgmental, it breaks the it breaks the loop. You know, they see something, they react, see it, react, see it, react. And then all of a sudden it just kind of, you know, freezes people for a second. And it doesn't matter what side one or the other. There's a lot of time when people get into that space, they have the same mindset. They just have different life experiences that took them on one side or the other. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that also something that is frustrating too is like seeing the value of mm, I I think of this as sort of like I don't really want to talk a lot about politics but the the sort of in political terms like the the way that our um like in the in the, in the so-called United States, you know, what a joke. But um, uh, you know, there's like the right and the left, and there's sort of these attributes that we that we associate with with either of these sides, and it's very um, it's very binary the way we look at it. Um, and for the most part, it seems to be so much that people are just digging their heels in and leaning back as far towards whichever side they're on and can't see all they could see is that the other side is so wrong and so misguided and so ignorant and all these things. It's just like, what, you know, what could there possibly be of like, it's just idiots over there. You know, it's just idiots over on the other side of the fence. And I've been thinking about that a lot and, and like, and I'll, I'll be, 
I'm as guilty as anyone of that. I just get so frustrated sometimes um, by, by seeing the way that people are acting and the things that they're doing and the lack of responsibility um, and accountability is, is infuriating and horrifying to me. But I also, it, it's like there's that major blind spot of like, how come there's no capacity, seeming capacity for us to respect aspects of the of the other side's approach and realize that with you know like captain planet like with our powers combined like that's actually a much more functional like there's a reason that we have split so 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 um divisively like there's a reason that our brains are split into hemispheres it's because they, they each tackle different different sorts right. of things from different different ways and that with their powers combined, it actually makes a pretty functional, a pretty functional uh, apparatus. And like some of us are more left brain, the more right brain focused type people. Um, and for me, as I've as I've grown older and realized my limitations, as well as some of my strengths, like like I realized that I'm I'm such a more right brain person, like really creative, really um, sort of bigger picture thinking or, or connective thinking kind of thing, whatever, um, that, uh, I really, really value having like, like in doing this, the quarantine circus, like bringing Cleo in Cleo's really creative as well, but she's also super good with, with like organization and with keeping track of stuff and with, with, um, all that kind of stuff. And so I, I don't get, I don't get people that are really like hyper focused on numbers and organization stuff. I don't get them in the sense of like being able to completely empathize. Mm -hmm. But I've learned to like super duper value them, and and realize that if if I ever want to, it's like Jane, my wife Jane is also like a super creative person, and she's like pretty good with organization. But definitely, we're like if we ever we're working on something as a team together, we would need a, we always call it our nerd. Like we'd need to hire a nerd. Um, which is not meant to be a disparaging term in any ways. It's just right. recognizing like we would need, we would need someone else on our team that is so good at that stuff because we would get mired in it. If we were having to do all the scheduling and all the organizational stuff and the logistics, we would spend 10 hours doing what someone who loves to do that and is in their, in their, um, what do you call it in their element could do in a half an hour an hour and and love it at the same time like why wouldn't we bring people in like that that because that's a that, that's together a team that is much more contributive and not using energy towards um unnecessarily unnecessary tasks for you know with the wrong people in the wrong world and and i think that it's such a shame that our culture as a, a culture at large and our the you know political world has become so divided in that sense because i could just imagine if everyone somehow one day you know in the senate or whatever was like wait what if we all just work together on this like you know like what if we all just actually like we realize not everyone's going to get every single thing they want there's going to be concessions on both sides we're going to have to compromise 
and we all actually have you know the most people's uh well-being in mind which unfortunately i don't think is the case so that's um you know that's a maybe too tall of a wish at this point but um yeah just to just to be able to see the value in people that are coming from a very different place and then utilize like like be like oh that's a big blind spot for me you fill that blind spot you have a you have things that you can't see but i can just because just by by um the result of who i am or who you are like how we're how we're based even without experience you know just who we kind of were born as and then add in all the experience and all the different stuff it's um i don't know it's been a big lesson for me because i i like to I tend to like to just do everything myself and learn how to do things from scratch with minimal input just to figure out some way to do it. But as I'm getting older and also especially dealing with health stuff that has limited my cognition and energy and stuff like that, it's, it's both those things together have helped me really realize not only the utility of of collaborating with people who are more suited for certain roles but also the true joy in it like i really really love like bringing in connor right like for doing the artwork i for me to figure out how to use photoshop or some other similar thing and start from scratch and i mean i would have been working on that thing for days you know probably but he's so versed in it and so uh yeah just so digs doing it that he's just like oh yeah i'll take you know i'll take a little bit out of my day and and do that and then comes up with every time like i i've i've collaborated with connor on a bunch of different things now um and and i find that like okay yeah i guess i could have done this if i really wanted to you know i'm sure i could figure out but the end result a probably wouldn't have been nearly as good and B, I would have spent a whole lot of time for a skill that I'm probably not going to want to be utilizing. You know, I'm not going to be a graphic designer. I'm not going to want to do this a lot. So is that really where I want to put my put my energy or do I want to save it and, and, and allocate it towards things that are more in line with what I can actually help with or give and stuff like that. So anyways that was my long-winded uh, collaboration rant <laughs> no, that totally rings a bell to me i am one of those oh, i'm still working out of that lone wolf programming that you know if you got to get it down you have to do it yourself you have to and i'm a very you know like i'm a very big picture person i come up with i can come up with big ideas i can get them going I can start the ball. And as soon as I get to the point where you need to get into the, you know, the technical things and that, you know, the hows and the little junk, that's when the gears grind down. Cause then I'll get, I'll spend three weeks trying to get this like one detail. Perfect. When, you know, somebody else would probably, you know, knock it out in 20 minutes or, or, even more importantly, they can tap into me and be like, it's not perfect. Let it go. Who cares? Next thing. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I need to think about it. I want to th- like I I was making a podcast for I think I did 25 episodes and I have a bunch or a few in the um you know recorded with people and mm-hmm. I found that the editing became too difficult for my brain and for like I just I I couldn't handle doing it really anymore and I'm such uh I have um misophonia which is like really like hypersensitivity to certain sounds mm-hmm. so like the certain trigger sounds that just sort of make one uh go into like a rage right <laughs> sounds really crazy but it is uh, a real thing and um and so for me i i can't listen to a podcast or to music or anything if i can hear people's like lips smacking or any mouth noises and so i'm super super hyper uh like when I edit the podcast and going through every second of dialogue and, and taking out every time I can hear, because I know that there's, even if there aren't, you know, even if it's a small subset, I know that there's other people out there like me who wouldn't be able to listen to it. And so, uh, so I get really, really, really in the weeds with the editing. And so it's a, you know, one hour conversation could be many hours, <laughs> many, many hours of editing. And I was like, I can't handle this anymore. Um, but it's, it's the exact same kind of thing that we've been talking about where I'm like, I guarantee you there's a better way to do this. Like there, I'm sure there's a, a program you can, you know, utilize a filter to put your audio through that takes out a lot of that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I listen to enough podcasts that I know that enough people have it figured out, you know, whether it's mic placement and all these different things um and that most of the you know bigger podcasts that you listen to it's it's not the person sitting there at the microphone that's doing the editing and putting the thing together right and uh and so yeah it's some i I really enjoy the editing like i i like trying to make it unique and doing my own thing with it but i also you know, have come to realize like if I can sit still and still manage to have a conversation with someone for an hour or two, but I'm not doing it because of the fact that the editing is so intimidating. Like how I need, how can I outsource that or find a new way um, so that I can do the part that I'm actually gifted at and, and someone else who can do editing that's really good at it could probably do it in 20 minutes or an hour. Um, so that's something I've been thinking about recently as um, things have settled down a little bit logistically in my life. So I'm, I'm hoping to get back into doing the podcast because I really love it. And um, I don't want to not do it for just one probably uh, surmountable hurdle, you know, it's funny personal you hurdle. And you know, that's something that I work through, you know, part of it is still learning the process of, you know, where to put the mic, where it needs to go. There's that whole thing of like, Oh, all the different noises. And I don't necessarily get triggered myself by those, 
but I know that people do. So I have to go in and when I do things, I will go and do that. And, but what my trigger is, and it's with myself primarily, there's points where I used to have a stammer when I was younger and it still sometimes shows up every so often when I'm having a conversation, I know the word I want to say, but there's something, it doesn't go from my brain to my mouth. And sometimes it takes a couple of seconds. So there'll be a lot of ums and you knows, and I go, I'm like, I need to get rid of those. And so sometimes I get into my head with that because I've been told by other people that that triggers them. Mm. Good to yeah. know. Yeah. So I go back in and I work on cutting a lot of those out and I'll do a, you know, an audio or I'll do a podcast and sometimes it will take me, it'll take me a whole day to do the editing because I do that. And I find myself whittling something down. So something that took me an hour, all of a sudden it comes down. It's like 40 minutes. I'm like, damn. <laughs> yeah. And I hope, you know, nobody's offended when I do it. If like, if I have somebody on and they see it's like, it's 40 minutes. I'm like, no, your stuff was great. I just needed to do these things so that, you know, people will stay in the room and listen to it and they all see how great you are. And that's right. my right. mindset to it. It's about, you know, it's like doing little subtle things and bringing the best out of, you know, them and also myself. I try to see it in that way. And ultimately, at some point down the road, I'd love to be able to have the disposable income to hire somebody to do it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) But um, when you, I'm so curious, when you have, like you're saying your words in your brain, doesn't won't get down to your mouth do you do you know the word or you or you searching for the word like do you like do you have the word in the in the um uh well here we go yeah um in the what do you call it in baseball when you're when you're next up uh on deck on deck you like do you have the word on deck and you know what it is and it just isn't making it down to the mouth or or are you still searching for the word i'm just curious because it's a little bit of both noble there's times where i'm just lost and i'm not sure what it is i'm i need to say next and then there's other times where it's like shit what's that word come on oh where is it and you know trying to find it so there's a little bit of both going on Mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of also why i got into writing and that tends to be my my go-to when i'm really going into my real serious communication because when I write, I don't have the trouble getting it out that I do sometimes in speaking. Yeah. But what I love about doing things like podcasts and having conversations is it forces me to practice and I do see the improvement going forward, especially, you know, being, they're talking to you know yourself most of the time. Now you have yeah. that <laughs> practice. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fascinating window. Uh, I found as well doing the editing and listening back to myself and being like, I had no idea I said all those little things in between and stuff like that. I find with the um, 
with the Lyme disease stuff, like there's always a bit of a, like a little, very subtle, small distance um, always between me, feels like in a way between me and the world. And it's that bridge to, uh, gapping that bridge of, of uh, maintaining a thread of, of speech and, and coming up with the right words or the words that I at least want to be coming up with is definitely slower. And I, I kind of feel like a lot, like I'm in a slightly turned down, like the time has been turned down just a tiny bit. So everything's slowed down a bit. So sometimes like I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it in this conversation. Some of the times when I've been speaking, it's like, I wonder if I'm coming off, like if someone who used to know me and still does, I wonder if, seeing me speak now is any different from before because to me it seems a little bit more um like choppy or a little less fluid or something like that um because i've i'm actively i'm trying to actively search for the words while i'm speaking but doing all those processes now really feel like separate processes and trying to keep the that speech train on the track feels like a much more difficult operation and uh, it's it's kind of wacky. It's it's hard to describe, um, but it's almost like it feels like being like a little bit stoned or something. It's like there's just like a little. There's so much more focus that it takes just to make sure the thing keeps going. And that's uh, yeah, that's a good way to put interesting, it. Interesting, interesting experience. I really, and I also want to try to tie in staying present because I don't want to be so lost in finding the perfect word that I miss what you're saying. I want to be able to listen to you and I want to take that in and really have a more heartfelt response instead of worrying about how it's going to come off. So there's that balance too. And it's, you get to a point where you're just like, screw it. I yeah. can always just edit out the ums and the you knows later and just yeah. rolling yeah. with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The hyper, um, the hyper awareness in the moment. I found that too, being on the other, I mean, I'm finding it here. This is my first time ever being on the guest end of a podcast, which is really fun for me. Um, but also being on the um, host more host and yeah, just like you said, like, I'm finding that because of doing the editing and then I'm more aware of my tics when I'm recording and I have to be able to be like, yeah, relax with it and just be like, it's okay. You're, you're, you're going to be way more, um, you're going to be a way harsher judge about this than anyone else is likely to be. Yeah. And even if they are, it's maybe one person out of a hundred and who cares. And, and even after that, like, your your opportunities to be with this person and and that that's the special thing so so focus on that focus on them yeah. you know, like let's let's set them up yeah and you hit it on the head 99% of the people that are you know that listen to it or are going to watch or whatnot they either don't hear it or they don't care and that one person that does you're probably not going to convert them anyway so yeah Cool. Yeah. yeah. I can so be that person that focuses on, you know, sometimes if I, if once I notice it with somebody or somebody's speech and then I, I find it hard not to focus on some, some verbal 
habit that they have. But I'm definitely a bit of a hypocrite about it because I'm also just like how uh, um, reductive of a way to <laughs> to look at the world. You know, it's like yeah. this person could be saying all these beautiful things and I'm sitting there, you know, and, and all I hear is how many times they say like or how many times they say, you know, or I'm like, <laughs> well. Yeah, I'll do that sometimes. But for me, if it's more like, Oh, cool. They do it too. Yeah. Yeah. Or that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's I wish I was <laughs> more in that line. Cause that, that would be a, a, I think a healthier way to look at it and more um, empathetic for sure. More empathetic response. Yeah. Hmm. All right, looking at the clock, and it's about time to wrap this up. But this was a great conversation. I was, I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, I really did too, Rich. I really appreciate this. I, I, uh, I was, um, I've been trying to figure out, like, I guess that maybe I know some people with podcasts. I don't have a, um, you know, sometimes people come on podcasts with a certain thing that that you know they all go on a podcast once if their newest book has come out or something or their newest right. movie people go sort of on a on a um tour of podcasts or whatever for lack of the word i'm looking for and uh i was uh i was really intrigued when i saw your thing and i was like well i've seen i've, I've watched some of rich's videos i've seen some of his stuff and i'm intrigued by him and i like him um based on what i see and I think there's a, I don't know. It, I have so many thoughts about, about podcasting. Like it's such a funny thing. I can get really in my head about like who would want to listen to me get to know somebody in real time. Like, why would that be interesting? Blah, blah, blah. I can go down that route a lot. Like, who do you think you are kind of stuff. But then, but then when I actually turn it around and I think about, I love listening so much to people that I don't know, just have a conversation. I love the experience of listening to podcasts and, um, and to try to remember that, like, I don't know. I try to remember this with everything I do, which is like, if I stymie it because of my own judgments or my own fears about myself or what I'm doing, all I do is rob someone else's potential experience of having enjoyment or or have having of hearing some some wine that you or I says that for some reason resonates with some part of place they are in life and like who knows and to me that's uh well I, I guess I would judge it as selfish or something I mean obviously there's value in not I, I don't feel the desire to put every single thing I say and do out into the world. I just don't, I'm more private person than that. But just to remember that Same. so many, I've benefited from so many people choosing to put their conversations out into the world, put their writing out into the world, put their art and, that, and music out into the world. Um, that even if I don't think something's the best or I might get into my own judgment thing about it, like put it out there because if it's going to be something that that touches someone else or or 
affects them positively in some way or inspires them like who you just never know where that stuff comes from and i'd much rather have it be out there even if i think you know it's like all right well i'm just gonna talk to rich because i don't have anything i want to plug like i could talk about some things that i do and i'd love if people experienced but i don't need them to and if they want to they can get in touch with me i'm not hard to find or if, if you want to put it in the comments or whatever um that's fine too but um like I would be, I would be pumped to do this just as much if, if nobody was going to see it. And I'm pumped by the fact that maybe somebody will. And that's, a, that's interesting to me. It's exciting. So. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I was inspired by it because I was in a space where I would start this and then I would go into a hiatus and I would start and I would stop. And I had gotten myself into this mindset that, I couldn't do a show unless I had this brilliant thing that I needed to say, or I had these amazing questions and it had to go in this certain way. And sometimes, you know what, if we just talked about like the last Marvel movie or something like that, I'd be just as happy with that. It's as as much as like trying to like be the next Tony Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. And I was inspired. I, you know, I live with my niece and nephew. They're in high school. And the things they get into all the time, they watched a lot of Twitch and a lot of YouTube. And it's a lot that they're very into Minecraft and they watch a lot of Minecrafters. And, you know, maybe they're playing, maybe they're not. But all they're doing is just chatting about random shit. Then there's no rhyme or reason that it could just be, you know, these kids, they could be just sitting in the cafeteria having lunch. It's the same right. thing. They're just talking about life. They're talking about whatever. And I'm watching the kids and they can't get enough of watching these guys. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, I'm doing whatever. And I'm watching one of them with the kids. And I was like, oh, I'm making, I'm making this too complicated. I could just have yeah. conversations with people. I know a lot of people and they, and I, they have really awesome things to say and, and, and just have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that human element. Sometimes all you need to do is just be human and show up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I had a couple of guests on my podcast that I really, um, really respected their work. And I, I read their books and stuff like that because I was really curious about that. And I wanted them, you know, I figured also they might be people that have more people asking them for their time and attention. Mm-hmm. So to get that with them felt really like a blessing. And so for a couple of them, I did more research and I came up with some questions I wanted to ask. And I felt good about doing that because I was really curious about their work. I didn't want to just have them on to try to get them to sell more books and stuff, but like, right. but also all the, those conversations always go somewhere else, which is awesome. But then I also really just love like, let's just get on and see where it goes. And, uh, and, I, and I find like if, if I came in with, with some sort of like grasping about it or thinking it needed to be certain, then it's like, I'm not actually having a conversation. I'm in my head the whole time 
Yeah. And then I'm like feeling like I have to try really hard to come up with a question or, or to keep the thing moving. And it's like, well, that's no fun. And people are definitely going to pick up on that. So like, why don't we just talk? Like, that's what we do anyways. <laughs> I mean, what do you do when you get with people? You talk. So like, I think we can probably handle it. So, yeah. yeah it's been so much more fun this way. So, you know, thank you for coming and hanging out with me this morning, Noble. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Rich. I'll do it anytime. If you ever want me back, I'll blabber awesome. on. Definitely. Let's do it. All right. You take care. All right. Yeah. You take care as well. So good to connect with you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. I really enjoyed being a part of that conversation and I hope you all listening felt like you were a part of it as well. And it was a benefit. I would love to hear from you. What clicked for you? What didn't? What thoughts, what ideas did listening inspire for you? What conversations are you motivated to have in your life after listening? Definitely would love to hear any and all feedback. Helps this continue to get better and better. And if you really feel pulled, I would invite you to subscribe and spread the word. If you believe us to be of value, the more people find out about it, the more it gets out there. It's really that simple. If you want to have more of these conversations, please feel free to join my community. Link will be in the notes. My social media links are also in the notes, as is the link to Noble's podcast, Noble Dreams. It has a direct link, and it's on all the usual suspects. So I invite you to check him out, and I know I will love to have him on again. I want to thank Noble for taking the time to hang out, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. The most important asset we have The most limited asset we have is time. And I'm always grateful to those who are willing to share some of that asset with me and to listen. And with that, take care, be safe, be well, and know that your voice matters. Your voice has worth. No matter what it might look like or what it might feel like, I promise you it does to somebody. All content is the property of the respective creators. If there is a miscredit, please reach out to the host to have that rectified. All opinions are solely those of the participants and do not reflect those of any of the hosting platforms. No content is to be taken as formal advice and to not replace protocols put in place by your medical or other professionals. Any decision otherwise is taken at your risk and the host, participants, or Beacon Road Ministry are not responsible or liable for your actions. Misfits, Wanderers, and the Rest of Us is produced through Beacon Road Ministry. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.